What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison. It is awesome to be with you here today. I'm sitting down as usual with Reverend Dr. Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Huntersville. I'm feeling the Dr. Professor Moses because I've been with doctoral students at Gordon Conwell Seminary this week on the pastor as preacher. So I'm owning the doctor today. When, you, when you're in doctor mode, does that change the um, kind of jokes that you use with people or do you can you not stop yourself from being just a regular Mike? No, in fact, I am known at the seminary. Um, oh, um, it's about to be non-professorial up in here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I anyway... Oh, yes, man. That, that's how I do it. But, hey, today we're with you, the Ask LFC podcast. Harrison and I, because um, our worship nights are uh, are one of, um, I can I think I can say it this way, Harrison, are actually one of our strategic endeavors in this years-long pursuit to uh, have a better relationship with the Holy Spirit as a whole church and individually as disciples. This is, mm-hmm. the, which is something that, that you can't fully engineer, but because the worship night is actually a strategic stake in the ground in, in that desire and that prayer, we're going to debrief that just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you were there at the worship, Ash Wednesday worship night, we're going to debrief that uh, just for a few minutes today, not ad nauseum, but also a little bit, where does it fit? into that strategy to be a more spirit-led, spirit-filled church. I'll, I'll say it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, but first, maybe a couple of other things. Yeah, no, we we um, we wanted to remind you all, if you are not um, at the worship night slash Ash Wednesday service, um, that was our opportunity uh, to kick off the season of Lent together. We've spoken about Lent on the podcast before, but for us, um, here at Lake Forest has just been a neat way um, to prepare for uh, Easter, to to walk along with Jesus on his journey to the cross, and really um, is a season for uh, reflecting on our need for a Savior leading up to Easter. So it's been really rewarding yeah. for us in the, the Ash Wednesday piece of the worship night was, was a, just a, a really cool way for us to uh, repent together to center ourselves on just the, um, the r- reminder of who we are, our need for a savior and our, our absolute, uh, acceptance, forgiveness, um, assurance of our pardon through the work yeah. of Jesus. And this year in our sermon series, we're not hyper emphasizing the season of Lent and the practices of Lent weekly, the way that some years were led to. We sort of um, ebb and flow with that in a good way, in a way that uh, I think helps us prevent Lent um, uh, from becoming something only religious or traditional for us. Um, and this year, we're, we've ebbed a little bit. Um, we're, the, we're emphasizing other things in the sermon series. Uh, so, uh, but it's beautiful. So just the mere fact of Ash Wednesday puts a stake in the ground that we were practicing that mm-hmm. with a majority of Christians globally and historically. That's important to us in and of itself. It's important to me to, uh, it, it, to have that. I think that's a humility, a historical humility, a humility and a, a solidarity with the body of Christ of all sorts and stripes. Um, now for the probably this year, the smaller percentage of our body who will choose the Lenten practices We've been publishing those 
on our online bulletin, and I hope you do. I'll comment on my primary Lenten practice, which is a primary, uh, uh, my number one takeaway and evaluation, and critical evaluation, actually, of the fact that we mashed up Ash Wednesday and Worship Night. Hey, one other thing to mention is Sunday when Andrew uh, taught the parable of the Great Banquet. Uh, we rolled out our Missio Day trips and experiences, cross-cultural mission experiences. We really have a goal for almost all of our ministry partners to at some point have an extended multi-day cross-cultural mission experience because of how it changes us, how we read scripture. It engages in boundary-crossing relationships in a uh, extended intensive time period uh, uh, with the Word in the center and the Spirit moving on us and changes us. And so this year is kind of the post-post-COVID year where we really want to... There were years pre-COVID, Harrison, our best years, when about 10% of our ministry partners would be deployed on mission trips uh, sometime during the year. I would love to see us get back there. And so this year, that gosh, the Honduras trip to be part of refamilying uh, abused and abandoned children's there um, in June... We're restarting our Bolivia trip, which is the same ministry, um, and they are more in need of partners. Bolivia, the Bolivia Lifehouse, where we've rescued, we were part of building it twenty something years ago, and we've we have not gone to that orphanage in some years. That's the end of July, first of August. It's like a Thursday to Thursday trip. We're really in need of people, especially feeling called to reinitiate. Our partnership there, they're in particular need of our partnership. Uh, the Club 54, fourth and fifth graders have their mission trip this year. And so for parent, if you're a parent of a fourth and fifth grader, that'd be a man, what a spiritual shepherding tool with your kid to go on a Missio Day experience. That was a massively important parenting tool for Angie and I, and we don't regret it. And we see fruit in our boys' lives today mm-hmm. in their 20s. A new trip will be a... a um, Missio Day trip to Asheville the last week of June, where um, this will be a, a, a pretty uh, a, a, um, a deep dive into homelessness and um, uh, yeah, uh, and serving them with a couple of our uh, um, a EPC church plant we partner with in downtown Asheville. We'll be th- looking through their eyes how they minister in downtown Asheville. That's where they worship. Mm-hmm while learning about homelessness and serving people. And that's going to be really super beautiful. They also minister to the female prison population. There'll be prison ministry hmm. in that Asheville trip. Uh, and I'm not sure how they're going to handle being in Asheville, the city of breweries, when we don't allow alcohol consumption during a mission trip. Maybe they can declare the trip over before they get on the vans or buses or cars to drive home and all pick one i'm no further comment and then the one team soccer camp mid-july where we partner with our friends in the huntington green neighborhood to put on a soccer camp for lake forest kids and kids of our spanish-speaking immigrant families it's really a beautiful in-town cross-cultural mission experience so i'm thrilled and really you guys are are inside our lake forest huntersville people i'm asking all of us to pray i'm praying about which one of those I'm going to be involved with. And uh, I'd ask you guys to do that yeah. and be bringing that up in prayer at your community groups, your Oasis groups, your men's groups. It's awesome. Well, um, Mike, you alluded to it earlier just a little bit, um, but we 
we're in a, a kind of a unique spot sometimes working uh, in a church because we're we're tasked to not stay stagnant or mm-hmm. be content mm-hmm. with where we are, but also some of the things we're trying to track are. Uh, it's not like looking at your um, fourth quarter sales numbers and it's black and white <laughs> on paper and yeah. we did this much and that much. Yeah. There's there's times where we, um, as the leaders of Lake Forest, try and address questions like, wh- what do people need more of spiritually? What yeah. what things yeah. do we need to emphasize um, that may be lacking in how we're kind of building uh trying to help build a healthy balanced spiritual diet for people you're right and some the one of the most healthy things that our anxiety anxious depressed lonely uh freaked out over all the stuff going on one of the most important things that this is research based (laughs) but only confirming what jesus says that the son of man came to serve and not be served and go and do likewise is when we get out and we serve the needs of others we spend our rather than being a consumer christian consuming more of culture and news and stuff is not going to fix the things breaking loose in our teenagers in particular But deploying them to serve others, and I, I wish I, I don't have permission to share it, but there's a parent who strongly led their struggling teen to go on one of our Missio Day trips last year. God did a miracle. Hmm. It didn't solve every problem, okay? But it changed the trajectory and the countenance of this teenager that bled over back home now for a year. Hmm. And so particularly you parents of teens and preteens, Use our Missio Day trips. There's a reason why we have distinctively, from most other churches, almost all of our trips from 2001 on have been multi-generational. For you to leverage our mission trip as a shepherding priority with your teenager. I, If you parent a teenager right now, they are stressed, no matter how they're showing it. And deploying them with you to serve the least and the lost in an intensive environment without all the stuff in their ears for up to a week is the best way you could spiritually shepherd and lead your child in the coming year. Hmm. Along those lines, Mike, another thing that we have been talking about, uh, that these worship nights are, are, are a result of, um, is just really trying to explore how, how we can, uh, build increasing opportunities for people to encounter the Holy Spirit, increased understanding of what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of people, and just really just creating spaces in our services and in other ways for the Holy Spirit to move in the lives of people. And one of those main strategies for us over the past uh, five months now or so have been uh, bringing uh, some worship nights uh, that have been received really enthusiastically so far. It's been pretty cool. We set that almost a year ago and then began executing built up Mm -hmm. and began executing it in the fall and then did again and and it it uh it's an action-oriented way to give the lord room in our congregation to get at two to your point very intangible goals it's cool how our worship night helps two of these goals number one we just have extended time for folks to be invited and led to interact with the holy spirit uh, without time box, the time box of Sunday morning, um, uh, through 
expressiveness of worship in particular to experiment with that and be led to that. And of course, the worship night is going to draw a higher percentage of our congregation who resonate with that. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you're like, I know my temperament and my walk with God. I'm never going to to raise my hands or whatever. That's, that's okay, but it, it's a place for those in our congregation who are drawn to grow in expressiveness. And I would say um, a, 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 an, uh, maybe an increased personal encou- sense of personal encounter and how to do that in intangible ways. But what's interesting, Harrison, is... Uh, and so, therefore, we've thought if we, maybe, we don't know, maybe if on the worship night there's several hundred of us, and there there were more than that, there were four to five hundred at the Ash Wednesday worship night this time, um, uh, we had a lot of guests from Story Hill EPC yep. who, who they didn't have an Ash Wednesday, and they sent them in. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't know what to expect, but they enjoyed it. Uh, they didn't think this big, raucous... Easter-like celebration was coming on the back end of Ash Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny um, to talk to a few of them afterward, but they enjoyed it. But if there's hundreds of us occasionally on these worship nights uh, who are um, experimenting with our own vibrancy in the Spirit in worship, then we see that that will be—folks will seed that back in on Sunday morning— mm-hmm. Just not in a rote way, not in a mechanized way, but in a way that, as Jesus says, a little leaven then spreads throughout the lump of dough. Um, So that's a goal. But here's what's cool, Harrison, and I don't know if we've said this here or not before. That also correlates with another multi-year goal that's also intangible. It's not like, here's your fourth quarter sales, here's exactly what it was. And that's the goal that we want to... Revelation 7, 9 says that it, the kingdom of God at the very end will, will look like every tribe, nation, tongue, and people group. And we want to look more like the kingdom here at Lake Forest Huntersville on Sundays as a witness to the kingdom and for our own sake to be more enriched in how we read the scripture alongside others, not myopically according to one tribe or tongue. And so a more expressive—and what we've learned from other churches is— a having not everybody on Sunday morning, but a bit more of a, a, a larger amplitude of expressiveness in worship on Sunday morning. So there's always the person, you know, who's going to stand there holding his coffee. That's fine. And just talking to the Lord in his head. But but a higher percentage of people being expressive actually feels more familiar and like, oh, this this is not, I'm not worshiping cross-culturally mm-hmm. to, to many yep cultures of other ethnicities than Anglo. They would go, oh, this is this feels a bit like home. Um, so it's kind of cool, Harrison, how the worship night is, is really a way to get at two of those strategic goals, not in a way of one plus one equals two, but what does God do among our people, and then what are the results? Do the results line up with the directions we're praying? Yeah, and we, we say all the time, I remind our team <clears throat> just about every Sunday morning, um, to take the pressure off themselves because the Holy Spirit is going to do what the Holy Spirit does. But there is a there is a an act we play in this of um, our our invitation of the Spirit and our openness and our willingness and our desire um, to keep our eyes open to that. There is just something that happens with that when we um, when we approach 
with this posture of receptivity and yes. kind of coaching not only our teams, but our church in that, uh, just like we're doing in glimpses of the kingdom, man, looking around and saying, man, what is the, what is the Holy Spirit doing? And when you look for that stuff, it's crazy because you actually start to notice it more. Like it just becomes more clear to you as you, um, as you're asking, how can we create more room for the Holy Spirit to move? And then you create the room. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's been moving. It's super cool. And Harrison, I certainly experienced that. Uh, uh, you and Aaron led our worship team incredibly. Tracy Grubbs led, you and Aaron Maynard, Tracy Grubbs led the visual environment. It was rich. It was multi-sensory. Dustin and the tech team. Um, who was running lights that night? That was Dave Italia. Dave Italia. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Just that whole team just fat, just set this rich table. And there was a point. I was in, Angie and I were in the second row. I looked back, Harrison, and at the height of the, when uh, God has gifted Gnarly, who's a new member of our worship team, uh, and um, Aaron Kiker, they, they were vocal leading yep. at what I would say was the pinnacle of I was watching our folks just lose themselves a little bit in the spirit. Not everybody, but I, I was just watching it, and I got emotional, not in my own personal encounter with the Holy Spirit, but my sense of this is would not have been what our church looked like five years ago yep. on a worship night. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a deep leadership contentment that when God leads us as a whole lead, not just me, but our elders and staff to go, we're called to grow in the Holy Spirit. And when we follow through, however haltingly, we don't know how to, <laughs> how do you grow a church in the Holy Spirit? I don't know. But to see here two years later that was a deep satisfaction and then a responsibility to keep leading and see where the Lord takes us for the sake of all of our individual discipleship and our corporate witness. Okay, here was my number one negative evaluation of the was I'm glad we tried it once, the mashup of Ash Wednesday and worship night. But like worship night trampled all over the quietness and the contemplative nature of Ash Wednesday. And so I realized when we were ready to start this podcast even today, um, I I still have, I count on Ash Wednesday. I pray ahead of time. And then I ask the Lord to reveal to me during the service, during our quietness, we have moments of silence, what my Lenten practices are going to be each year. And we just walked all over that, Harrison. <laughs> I never had that moment. And that's my number one negative evaluation of worship night. We, so, friends, we'll never mash up those two things again. <laughs> yeah. It's just that we needed to do both of them, and it felt <clears throat> like too much to do them like two weeks in a row. Yep. And so I'm glad we tried it. Um, some people aren't. Uh, you know, to, to the point, the more contemplative-oriented in our body. We never want um, this emphasis on the Holy Spirit and responsiveness to become a should or an ought to people in the congregation who are just the the way the spirit their spiritual <clears throat> growth language is contemplativeness yeah. and quietness that's beautiful and we need them yep. and I'm both I just happen to be both I'm weird I can be a monk who's quiet for the rest of my life and I can be the jumping up and down when I was a worship leader on Saturday nights in Memphis when I led our I started our Saturday night service Harrison I jumped and danced uh, maybe more than you do. I don't know. But we're similar. We're similar in our style. 
so we want to be sure that we are not um, saying to the contemplatives in our church, you're not welcome, and we've changed as a church. You know, yep. we, the, we, So that's not what's going to happen here, but we might have almost done that that night, and, and that was my one regret. I'll, I'll say one of the things I love about Lake Forest since I've been here, Mike, is that we have um, we have a high level of not feeling afraid to try things. And we also have a high level of follow up after to say, we don't want to trample on what could be a cool idea. And we mm-hmm. tried it and we go, all right. In fact, when we say goodbye to y'all today, we're walking into our worship planning meeting where the first thing we'll do is evaluate. That's right. Here's what Everything. we want to do more of next time. Here's what we're not going to do next time. So we do have a culture of evaluation and we can speak directly to each other. We would appreciate your feedback on worship night on the importance of the emphasis of Missio Day coming up, on the how we grow in expressiveness and worship in our congregation while also making space mm-hmm. for the contemplatives to be who they are and to know that that is valued just as much. We, we would love feedback at, at, what's the email address? AskLFC at LakeForest.org. We'd love to hear from you guys. And you guys are just our friends, so just email Harrison or me too. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks for jumping in with us again today. I just want to do a quick drop in and share a couple things with you all. We will be back very soon, getting to sit down with our awesome ministry partner, Percy Maleba, very soon. We'll catch you guys next time. Oh, wow.